Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And it's Friday, and you know what that means. David's here. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, David. Hey, David. Hello. We're going deep on worker placement this time, and we're going to start with some history. Tell us about where worker placement games began. How far back do they go? Yeah, well, I I, uh, heard you guys talking about this on Monday, and they go back uh, a little, uh, almost two decades, very, very nearly two decades. Um, Kalos is the game that most people accept as being the origin of contemporary worker placement, Uh, but the concept came into being, or is generally accepted to have come into being in in the gaming world, with a game called Kedem. Uh, which came out in 1998, uh, which was re-released as Aladdin's Dragons, which I had heard of before. I hadn't heard of Kedem before. I think I actually played Aladdin's Dragons once. I can't remember anything about it. Right. Well, that was a re-implementation of Kedem that came out in 2000. Uh, and the general gist of this was that you were putting guys out on a map to collect resources that would eventually help you find the four principal items that you were looking for that would allow you to win the game. Um, now, Kedem... Uh, People listening to this may be hearing the key in that and finding it familiar in terms of games like Key Flower or Key Harvest, uh, which we have in the cafe, are a little bit more known today. Yes, it is from the same series of games. No, I know nothing about it beyond (laughs) what I've just said, I'm afraid. The Key series are a very particular sort of specialty item with a very particular audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to dig into them. They're one of those sort of little bits of ephemera that's on the edge of my perception of games and I just haven't dug into it yet and I want to find out what they're all about but I don't think any of them has a solitaire option which strange as it sounds is how I find out about a lot of games <laughs> in the first place it's certainly things that are deeper um, but I just yeah it's something I want to look into especially now that I'm here talking about this and you know realize that's where everything really began definitely something I want to look into yes so why do you think people started designing board games like this? Like, what was the purpose? What itch did it scratch for the board game community? Well, I think they do some very interesting things in worker placement games. Um, one of the things I know that you guys were discussing, I think on Wednesday, uh, was this concept of can you go in a spot where someone else has? Because a lot of people will say that a definition of a worker placement game is a game where you can't do that. <laughs> Not necessarily true, I don't think, but it is true of many of them. And what that prompts is order selection being an incredibly important part of the game. Order selection? In the sense... uh, Sorry, order of selection. Better way of putting it. Do I go here now when I think it's going to be useful, or do I wait to know that that action is going to be useful, by which time somebody else may already have taken it? Mm. And if we're playing a game where I can't go where somebody else is, now I've lost that opportunity, and I'm going to have to wait until next turn before I actually get to go and do that thing. Which can become something of a problem in games like this, especially if you have a limited number of ways of achieving whatever it is that you're trying to go for. And especially if you're going later in the turn order. I mean, if you're the last player, mm-hmm. and somebody the person to your left is going first, well, there's a pretty good chance that by the time you have your first chance in a turn to put somebody down there, all the spaces you most want to go are already going to be occupied. Which is why in a fair number of these games, there's a specific space you can place a worker on to be able to go first from that. I was just going to say that same thing. It's highly coveted, isn't it? Kind of is. And the more players there are sitting at the table, the more coveted it becomes. Mm -hmm. And Actually, it's one of those things you, you 
can easily judge, I think, often whether somebody knows the concept of worker placement games well, whereby if they are the final person in the turn order and there isn't some sort of weird mechanism where turn order goes backwards at some point, um, where you know they know what they're doing if they steal that place and make sure that they are no longer last in the turn order. Because it is. It can be a serious problem. I've played many a game of Waterdeep where I've got myself trapped at the back of the turn order and it's bouncing between a couple of other people and I can't get the mages or the clerics in particular, like the less frequent Or the builder's hall, hello. Or the, well, yeah. (laughs) Those things that I need to actually be able to complete the quests and I I played one game actually there's a very good app of Lords of Waterdeep which if you're interested in trying worker placement out for the first time is a very good way of, of experimenting with it it's a good um, time and in that I played a game recently where I had two turns where I couldn't complete a quest because I just couldn't get that final cube it's pretty uh, thankless. That final mage. And it, it can be, it's, you know, we come back to that theme that we keep raising on this podcast, which is being a jerk to your friends. <laughs> and it's incredibly easy to do in these games, but you're messing with them in a very different way, I think, to a lot. You're not directly kind of, it's not a punch in the face. It's almost a little bit more subversive than that, where you're, it's, it's all in, you can accidentally mess someone over. I think exactly. that's what's really interesting, actually. Uh, I was going to say it's all in, you know, you see that they want a thing and you take it instead, but actually it's very, very easy to mess up someone's plans without knowing what they're trying to do. Weirdly enough, I think one of the reasons why Lords of Waterdeep is so accessible and so useful for new players is because you've got that deck of intrigue cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are straight up take that cards. These are cards you can play on somebody to do something bad to them. Mm-hmm. And that sort of direct interaction is something you really don't usually see in these kinds of games. And the reason why I think it makes Waterdeep more accessible is because if you you've got that one player who's really good at games who you were mentioning, David, that one player is going to be more likely to be on the receiving end of these things. Mm -hmm. And the new players are less likely to gang up on each other, which means everyone actually has a chance to pull off a win. And it's not always easy to screw people over in a game that you're unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. You know, like games where you have to kind of like think about the long con or, you know, where like it's not direct confrontation like that, sometimes it can be really difficult to do mean stuff to your friends. Exactly. You first have to figure out what are they trying to do. Exactly. So these intrigue cards are great because it kind of like bridges that gap where you still feel like you're interacting with one another and you can still be a jerk until you figure out how to do it quote-unquote properly through the game mechanics themselves. And then you're doing it both ways in Waterdeep. Extra jerk. (laughs) And what I think is interesting about worker placements as well is uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today is the different ways that worker placement can be messed with a little Mm -hmm. bit essentially in terms of how you use it. And I heard you mention at the end of uh, the last episode is can you go somewhere where someone already is? There are lots of ways of kind of messing with worker placement mechanics and making them something a little bit different. Uh, so to answer that question, yes, yeah, sometimes you can go where somebody already is. Uh, there's a game called Extra Extra, which is all about printing newspapers. And in that game, I can put my guy on a spot and claim that spot, but then you can come along and pay $100 and take that spot from me. And then Emily comes along and pays $200 and takes that spot from you, and then I pay 300 and as long as you're paying at least 100 more, eventually whoever's left there pays their money and gets to do that thing. So there are games that sort of encourage this give and take of spots. You're not always kicked off them just because someone else has gone there already. $100 bills. Yeah. You give them to people, they let you do stuff. They'll go a long way. (laughs) One of my favorite worker placement games that does something a little weird is uh, Alien Frontiers. Oh, so good. Which is a worker placement game where your workers are not workers, they're ships, and your ships are actually dice. 
And what you're doing is that you're rolling your dice, and then depending on what faces come up, you're kind of deploying them differently, because there are certain parts of the board that you can only deploy dice in pairs, or that you can only deploy them in, like, you know, in runs, like, you know, one, two, three, or three, four, five, and other ones where you just have to play, like, a higher number than the one before you. So it's great, because it really kind of adds another, another element of, I want to do that thing, but I can't do it. And that doesn't involve the other players. We're talking about, you know, like, David does a thing that I wanted to do, and I'm screwed. But in Alien Frontiers, my bad luck can be because of me. It can have nothing to do with anybody else. I could really, 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 really want to go to Lunar Mine, or wherever. And I roll, and I get nothing. I get nothing. I get no pairs, no runs, no nothing. And I, I can only be myself, truly. Well, you can always dock it. Uh, th- th- that's one of the things that I love about Alien Frontiers is that there are a lot of those space stations around the planet that you can pick from to dock your ships. But no matter what you roll, some of them are going to be off limits to you. So that sort of works to naturally limit the choices that you have and prevents you from getting stuck. Thinking, oh, what am I going to do? Because mm. there's so many options. And the way Alien Frontiers escalates between rounds instead of adding more stations, it gives people these alien technology cards that they can use to modify their dice. Mm-hmm. So I can spend a little bit of energy to turn this two into a one, and now I've got a pair of ones, and now I can do this thing over here. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting idea of having to adapt your strategy on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zolkin does that as well. Um, the way that Zolkin is so weird. It's an so extraordinary. Weird. If you have a look at the board of this, there's all these cogwheels on it, and they look. It looks mind bending, and it's actually not as complicated as it first appears. And like these cogwheels are not printed on the board; these are actual plastic physical yep. cogwheels that. Turn and as you turn one, it causes the other ones to turn because the teeth bite and it's like just like real cogs yeah. for reals. It's it's a really smart design. And what you do with this one is you can place your worker onto one of these cogwheels, and they don't necessarily come back at the end of your turn. They come back when you choose to take them off. And as these wheels turn, the reward that that worker is going to give you changes. Usually gets better if you wait too long. Sometimes gets worse, and it's up to you when you then choose to take that guy off. So you could be going for that thing that's far off in the distance but you've also got a turn count right so if you think that some the game's about to end you need to get yourself into some sort of scoring thing and oh maybe I can't wait long enough it's not going to go far enough for me to be able to get to this stage or uh, maybe I've changed my mind now I want this thing and you can adapt your strategy in that game and take that worker off earlier than you're expecting or choose to wait so there's there's an almost push your luck type not quite push your luck, but something along that vein in this game, which works oddly well with the worker placement idea. And there are others like Legacy, The Testament of the Duke de Clacy, and Arcane Academy, where each player's got their own individual board. Mm-hmm. So there's no question about worrying about whether somebody else is going to occupy a space. You have to worry about whether you've occupied it. <laughs> well, Legacy's an interesting one as well, because of that concept of, I was talking about earlier of the order of selection. It's not just important then based upon what other people are trying to do, but you may have to do things in a specific order to make what you're trying to achieve happen, because you're a lot of the time you're placing workers in order to be able to collect cards and play them from your hand to you know marry people into your family, that sort of thing. And if I marry this person in and then this person in, in that specific order, or I pick a new person and then put someone in, I'm going to get a big bonus. I might be able to get a, an opportunity to take a bonus action for this round, and I only normally get two, so that's 50% extra stuff to do. But if I do them the other way around instead, or if I can't pick that extra person up because someone's nicked that place... 
I don't get that bonus action. And in Legacy, that can be huge because mm. you're very, very limited to the number of actions you actually get in that game. And so, yeah, it's, there's, there's some things in there that become astonishingly important. And that's it for this episode of the Snakes Cast. Uh, we hope you are enjoying it still in this new format and look forward to hearing your opinions. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to let us know what you think. If there's other stuff you'd like us to talk about or if you just want to say hi. The Snakes Cast is produced by Dax Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. Tune in next week when we take a visit to a place that is totally not Jurassic Park. Totally not. We filed the serial numbers off. Raptors. Clever girl. The opinions expressed in the Snakes cast are those of the presenters and guests and nobody else's. Clever girl. That's, yeah, that's why it goes. It goes after that. See you next week. Thank you.